calling out the myths, misinformation, and BS in the wellness industry. This is the Big Mouth Pharmacist Podcast. Here's your host, holistic pharmacist, supplement expert, Big Mouth, Dr. Neil Smoller. Broadcasting from the most famous small town in America, this is the podcast that, you know, pulls back the curtain on the supplement industry, but we've been talking about COVID a lot. Uh, I'm here with Dana again. What up, Dana? What is going on? Uh, Nothing. We're going to do our thing. So I figure today, COVID, weight loss, and let's talk about skin, baby. Let's talk about... Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. All right. So first and foremost, COVID. Yes. There's Uh, a pandemic going on. There, yeah. Still going on. Oh, Florida. If anyone thought the South wasn't going to rise again, I stole that from my friend Aaron. He's so clever. Mm -hmm. Florida is now the global epicenter of surge in cases. Congratulations. It was pretty funny because on Reddit yesterday on the coronavirus subreddit, there was three articles in a row and it was Arizona is the new epicenter. Florida is the new epicenter. (laughs) Texas is the new epicenter for the world. And it's pretty batty um, that I guess it's all true. Yeah. Case numbers getting pretty darn close to what was going on in New York. Yeah. Yeah. During our peak. And we still have people out there. Um, We have the mask warriors that, you know, are worried about their liberties and their freedoms Mm. and they don't want to wear their masks. You had something pretty um, snarky and smart that you said about that. I think you should repeat here for the audience. Yes. uh, I don't understand like what, principle are you standing on you're standing on a principle that isn't a principle the virus isn't sentient and doesn't agree with your politics (laughs) yes and uh it's it's weird that it's politics at all um even if the only argument for the mask or against the mask that would be valid would be the science like does it make sense does it really protect us and we know what the answer is we know that it, it does and in fact there's like you know again Weird studies coming out. We don't know if they're validated or verified, but it's like, oh, it'll protect you 60% of the time. And, you know, again, it, that's a specific type of mask and all of that. But but the idea here is that the masks are preventing the spread from everybody else. Japan has like a 2% unemployment. They never closed down, right? Mm-hmm. And everything's normal because they've been wearing masks from days, masks from day one. Yeah, you know? yeah. And so- it's kind of silly that this whole thing could stop. And then we're barreling right towards school. And mm. uh, that stinks because a lot of people just don't know what to do. The American Academy of Pediatrics wrote a paper saying that we should go back to school. And my wife was kind of explaining it to me, like all the different kind of ideas around like the their justification. And I just kind of felt it, they were kind of doing the best case scenario right. type of discussion because now there's a lot of uh, studies, evidence, people talking about how it has, is actually like a very dangerous place for schools and they, all this crazy stuff. Like I want to, want to send my kids on three days a week and then every other, and then like, you know, it's crazy. And I, it makes sense that maybe the high schools could go back to some limiting, limited capacity because they're not, I hope they're like washing their hands more frequently and they're not like being gross, like kindergartners are, you know? Yeah. So it makes sense for them to go back. Um, the smolders aren't going back. That's for sure. We're going to keep our kids home until there's a vaccine, which brings up another point. Mm. Like everybody should get a vaccine. Uh, and, but there's going to be a big problem with the vaccine that I see is that the vaccine is going to, uh, cause controversy because everybody's already got this mindset that vaccines could potentially be bad because of all the propaganda against vaccines. 
And the fact of the matter is it's not going to work 100% of the time. It's not going to work 90% of the time, probably. And it's probably going to wear off. And we're going to have a bunch of people that got a vaccine. And then we're going to hear case reports of people getting sick from it. And yeah, there's not from the vaccine, but sick from COVID. Right. Mm -hmm. um, if I could just interject, I mm -hmm. read about an article that was um, a study conducted in Spain of over 61,000 people showing that herd immunity appears to be impossible because COVID antibodies are fading after a matter of weeks. So how a vaccine is going to improve upon that, I don't know. Obviously, that's going to take virologists to figure that out. But we are really up against it in trying to figure out how to control this. There is uh, a lot more to the immunity than just the antibodies. So there are like uh, other pieces to the pie. And I'll let somebody smarter than me comment on that. But I think the herd immunity thing is also pretty interesting. I know a lot of people are reading a lot and hearing all the news like constantly all day and all night. But I think it is important to kind of talk about this because I see in my, you know, we have a pharmacist group. There's like 46,000 pharmacists and pharmacy staff that are in this group. And we're talking about COVID all the time. And all the time people are making, and these are people that are supposed to be more educated and, and, and hip to all this stuff. And they're making this point like, oh, herd immunity, herd immunity. And we have to understand that herd immunity is such a far off and distant concept. We would need 60 to 80% of people to have been infected and get, you know, antibodies to this thing. Right. And 80% of that's like 240 million people, mm. right? If not more, it's like 270 million people. So if we look, I think we just crossed 3 million yeah. Right. So three million over six months. Right. So we have everything that we've been through over the past six months times what? A hundred. Yeah. <laughs> so we have 600 months of going through exactly what we're going through to get to a point of herd immunity. Even if you make it faster, I think the fastest estimate is 500 days. Imagine what we're dealing with. You know, again, a million people a day for essentially 240 days have to get sick with this. Jeez. And if it has a case fatality rate of 5% to 1% somewhere in there, that's a lot of dead people. And it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So, the article I read touched on that. That it would be uh, just very unethical to yeah. try to achieve her herd immunity by just letting the yeah. virus run rampant. Right. And so really it, it becomes about just like it is with the flu. It's about stopping the spread of it as much as possible. There's already papers saying that only a quarter of pe a quarter of people will reject the vaccine because of their crazy nonsense. Well, not crazy nonsense, but their uh, unfounded nonsense uh, about uh, vaccines and such. Yeah. Well, you know, to that effect, mm -hmm. um, I, I saw. Okay, so this was a meme, but I thought it made some excellent points, which is that um, beyond just the like people who are anti-vaxxers, I guess part of it is that. Some people are afraid that you're giving away your DNA or that they could even implant a chip in your cheek from the swab or something like that. Nice. Uh, yeah. Um, I realize we're mostly preaching to the choir given the nature of this podcast, but if anyone is concerned about giving away their DNA, just keep in mind that you are assigned a number by the government at birth. <laughs> I mean, that. I mean, like, don't even go there. Like uh, people are, are people on TikTok 
uh, complaining about this. That's what I'm saying. Like they're they're willingly giving over information to social media companies and malware using devices that are tracking every single move and can build a psychological profile about you. Yeah. And they're worried about microchipping, which isn't even like feasible. Uh, I kind of wish it was like dogs and stuff. Like I don't. Yeah. I can't microchip my kids. I don't think. I don't know. <laughs> um, and and well, then like the actually, idea of the DNA exists for humans, but they're not popular. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, and. And like the idea of giving away your DNA, like I've written a billion articles and we've had people on the podcast talking about how everybody wants to do DNA testing for everything and they're swabbing their cheeks and sending it in. So it, it's, I'm at my sister-in-law. She got Alexa in the house. What the heck is that? They're listening to everything. Exactly. If you think your phones aren't listening, I swear to God, they're reading our minds at this point. Like yeah. literally I will think about something I want and that ad will show up in my Facebook <laughs> feed and I try not to be paranoid, but yeah. that's happened on more than one occasion. So they're, listen, privacy is gone. Mm-hmm. It, you know, and besides, you've been to the doctor anyway for regular checkups. They have your DNA. Yeah, nobody cares. Nobody wants your DNA. It's all deformed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, they only want the, you know, the, the, the svelte people. Speaking of being svelte. Yes. How you doing? Uh, it's all right. You're it's looking right. svelte. I'm getting down. So 231 was my number from 245. So that was the original starting number. I started tracking at 243. So, um, yeah, 245. I'm like, okay, time to stop being such a fatty because your blood pressure's up. And then uh, started tracking 243. I'm down to 231. And it's funny because um, this is all mental. This is a mental game, 110%. I think I touched on this last week, but I have like the thoughts clarified a little bit better. So um, two big things that have come up. I've, you know, there's all the stuff that comes up in your head when you're trying to lose weight. Like one of the ones is, is like you look at the scale. And it, it doesn't really move. And you're like, oh, that sucks. How come it's not moving? And, right. you know, the thought is like, I'm working hard. How come I'm not getting the results I want, right? And another one is like, I'll be happy when, right? I'll be happy. Right. I'll be happy. Once I hit this goal, then I'll be happy. Once I get to Friday and I behave myself, then I'll be happy. And like this idea of uh, I want I want to enjoy my life. And like, I want to be rewarded. And, and even like, oh, like have another serving. Like all of these kind of thoughts come up into your mind. And I've kind of binned them into two different categories. So first, the urge to splurge mm-hmm. is all of that. Like, uh, I want, uh, I just want more. Uh, I want something sweet, right? Uh, go ahead and have another serving. Don't waste the food. So right. <laughs> like that, all of that stuff is, is just, that's your addiction cycle. Mm. That's what that really is. What's going on is that you've had a very unhealthy uh, decades worth of habits that have built up. And and now you're trying to justify what's really going on in you is that you're using food to make you feel a certain way, right? So, um, you know, good or bad, right? So I, I've been very honest. I stress eat, right? Yeah. So I'm writing my blog. I'm like eating. And so that makes me feel better. It kind of gets me a little like uh, in the right mindset. I've noticed that I've actually replaced my searching for M&Ms to distracting uh, social media stuff. So I'll pop on Facebook quick or I'll look at it uh, like Reddit real quick yeah. um, instead of where I would normally be grabbing an M&M. So it's funny how like that just kind of switched, right? Hmm. So we're using it in a bad way to kind of like address those unhealthy habits or those urges. And then we use it in a good way. It's like, I just like, <laughs> so Universal Studios, we went last year. I'm never going again <laughs> after this, especially like Florida will still have COVID in four years. Um, yeah. So Universal Studios outside, they have this um, uh, 
like ice cream place that makes milkshakes and it's ridiculous. You get this insanely rich milkshake with like a friggin' piece of cake on the top of it. Oh my God. There was God. like a, a whole piece of cake. My kids got a Rice Krispies one and the, it was bigger than their heads, the Rice Krispies. <laughs> and the, the milkshake is gigantic. It was chocolate heaven. Chocolate heaven. I I had, it was like a brownie. It was like a hunk of a brownie. I've That's literally the euphoric place. I will never be back there again. And I know. You're talking about it like it's porn, man. It is, this is not how you lose weight. <laughs> it is. And it's like, so that, that feeling, that, oh my God, that felt so good. Uh, and it is pretty much just like drugs, porn, all of the stuff that we use in our heads to feel better about stuff. And so it's like, I know and like what I've been like talking to myself like it's heroin. Like, <laughs> I'll never get that high again unless I go there and have that thing. It's never going to be the same. And so I now look at, I try to look at junk food like it's uh, drugs. Like I literally say that that is the gateway to more drugs and you don't want to do that. Um, you know, truth be told, my wife made her cookies and it's been a month. I lost 10 pounds. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have two cookies. Mm. So I ended up having two. And then I had to work out before and after just a little bit extra just to kind of make sure that I didn't sabotage myself because that's, right. that's a big part of it. So, so all of these kinds of urges to splurge is, is really just our, our brain saying, I want that hit. I want that dopamine, whether it's to make us feel better or whether it's to, um, you know, uh, deal with something that we're not dealing with correctly. Right. And then we have the frustration side of things. And I think the frustration can go positive and negative. So I was talking about how the scale didn't move after a few days. So how frustrating that can be, right? And or like I'm not hitting the results that I want fast enough, right? right. And that's a stupid moving target too, because I know that it's gonna. T I said when I wrote the original blog, it's gonna take me 23 weeks, right? right. It's gonna be taking me 23 weeks. So why am I thinking we're at week five? Yeah. <laughs> why do I think I should be anywhere else? So it's it's that like internal sabotage. But the the frustration, the negative one, you know, that's really me just saying I'm tired. I'm sick of this discipline, right? Mm. The, having to be more disciplined is, is fatiguing me and I, and I want to give up on that, right? So I said, it's not the progress that's the problem, it's the process. And that's where a lot of us are getting hung up in is that we want this specific thing to happen because once it happens, then we can relax, then we can stop. And that's not true at all. Right. Like, this is literally for life. I say in the article, there's no end zone. Like you are just running, 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 running. And yeah, okay. So maybe there might be a touchdown here or there. So there technically is an end zone. Right. So you, so, but your celebration can't, you know, get a flag on the play because it's just too much. Right. Because then you'll just be dancing all day and not playing football. Um, <laughs> I think I, I don't know sports. I, I don't know. Like I said, last yeah, week, I'm I, taking I, your word for I, it. I, I don't no know idea. from football. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> So then there's the positive side of frustration, which it manifests differently. It sounds different, but it's actually the same exact thing as what I was just talking about, about like being tired or fatigued with discipline. And that's like, I'll be happy when, right? That's the, what I was just alluded to. As soon as I hit this goal, as soon as uh, Friday comes, if I behave myself, I can have a little bit extra. And that's, that's, again, that's the fatigue. That's us being tired of having to live this regimented, disciplined life. And you're kind of sabotaging yourself, first and foremost, by saying, I'll be happy when. Don't ever say that to yourself mm. because you're just basically your brain is saying, okay, if I'll be happy then, that means I'm not happy now. 
Yeah. And then that's you know, really setting yourself up for failure. Oh yeah. It's like, I call it backstabbing goal setting, you know, like oh, you're yeah. stabbing yourself in the back while you're trying to set a goal. It's, it's really dumb. So we have these, these frustrations. So what I realized what I was doing with this, when I was saying like, I'll be happy when I hit this goal is just basically say, again, I'm so frustrated with having to be more disciplined than I had been in the past that I just can't wait to let loose. And the whole point of this is that I was unhealthy because I was letting loose, right? I was unhealthy because I was letting loose. I need to be more disciplined. I'm a six foot two dude, right? That's 40 years old. So technically I'm supposed to eat exactly as I'm eating. It's just, I've never done that. (laughs) Like maybe for a couple of years at a time. So this is the way it's supposed to be. So it's really nuts because we're essentially, we're essentially normalizing being unhealthy, right? We're saying that the unhealthy choices is the more normal. So the work and diligence that's required is the punishment instead of it being the way and the unhealthy stuff is the punishment. It's because the unhealthy stuff feels better than the healthy stuff. It, it's easier to, to do that way. So we make this whole thing, this conflict, this resolution, I'll be happy when, or I'm frustrated that it's not happening, or why don't you just do that? And you're constantly fighting yourself. So you turn this into this whole negative thing. And it's not a negative thing. It's a positive thing. In fact, it's the most positive thing that you can do for yourself. And that's nuts that we, we're, we're constantly fighting this battle. And so really to, to do this, to survive, it, it takes mindfulness. You got to be aware of these thoughts. You got to watch them. And the unfortunate reality is, is that for some time, you're going to be wrestling this bear until the bear goes away. But the bear is always going to be ready to come back and kick your butt. So, so I, it's like, oh, well, how many weeks in, you know, it's like when you're losing weight, it's like, oh, I'll be hungry for the first couple of weeks and my stomach will shrink and everything will be fine. Right. So everybody knows that's a goal. So at what point does the, the repetitive thoughts stop. When does that, when does that happen? When do these negative thoughts that keep dragging me down stop? Uh, I don't, I don't really know. Like it may be never. (laughs) And that's the hardest part about this whole process is that for me, and there is a genetic component. I will say, like, I know a friend of ours up the street here, uh, she had gastric bypass and it's was believed that she has this compulsion to constantly be eating Mm. and it's due to an overproduction of this specific protein uh, that is responsible for that. Again, I don't know enough about it. We'll probably get somebody on to talk about this whole thing because I think it's very interesting. But basically the the bypass takes that part of the stomach where that's secreted away. And she like literally feels like a hundred bucks. She's like, I, huh. I just the idea of like, I don't feel like I have to eat and getting all upset about that uh, has changed her life. And yes, yeah, so she's gotten thinner, of course, because it's, her stomach's smaller and she's eating better, but it's just that hormone there. So like, who the heck knows? Like, about all this crazy chemical stuff that we don't really understand how it's influencing all this. But again, I just wanted to say that, you know, the, what to eat, that's the simple part, how many calories, you know, what your meal plan should look like, should it be diverse, all of that stuff. That's the easy part. It's really this, this struggle, this mental struggle. So, yeah, you know, something that I had a revelation about recently with a friend of mine, because obviously I'm also trying, well, not obviously nobody on the podcast knows what I look like, but I am also trying to lose weight. I've Mm -hmm. mentioned that. And I have one friend who, and I think we all have this friend who compliments you no matter what, because they just have a really kind soul and they don't want to hear you speaking poorly about yourself. Now I, um, you know, for the listeners, I'm only five, three and I weigh more than Neil. I, you know, I I do know a little bit about sports and I know that I weigh more than most professional athletes. I am morbidly obese, Mm -hmm. even though I've been told, quote, I wear it well. And (laughs) most people guess me at much 
less than I weigh. It's very unhealthy. And, you know, I'm also like, I've always been overweight. I'm 40 years old. I can speak about it very matter of factly at this Mm -hmm. point. And um, so I was speaking about it matter of factly with this friend of mine who's very kind. And she's like, you're not, you're just, you're curvy and you're beautiful. And I was like, I need you to stop saying that. Okay. (laughs) And I, I was like, I am this tall. I weigh this much. There's in no version of reality is that healthy. I'm not trying to say this to crap on myself. I'm saying this because it's very true. And it's, it's frankly insulting to my intelligence that you tell me that it's not true when it is clearly true. So if you are someone who is friends with somebody who's trying to lose weight and they say something along that line, take a minute to listen to the context, listen to the tone in their voice. If they sound like they need some support, then give it to them. But if they sound like they're handling it well and they're just stating a matter of fact then don't insult them by saying, no, you're not, you look great. You just have, you just need to lose a few pounds. That doesn't help. Yeah. We're trying to like catch the vase and like trying to be kind to our friend, but like the, it's a weird thing. I I think I mentioned this last week. I was talking about the less on my plate podcast. Mm. Right. And how like my friend was like, well, if you tell me that there's a problem, what am I going to say that? Yeah. I I don't know. I'm fat. Like I know it's there. So I just need the tools to deal with it. And you know, there's the different stages of change. So where, where are you at? You know, I saw this great tweet. It's like my shawarma just, uh, like fell apart. Like basically like a burrito fell apart. It's like, (laughs) and the, and the boyfriend texted back, I'm sorry to hear that. Are you in the seeking out solution stage or are you in the emotional phase right now? And (laughs) (laughs) so I just thought that was uh, really smart because again, we're at all these different, um, uh, places and and that goes up and down. Like, are we really willing to make these changes? And, you know, it's funny because I'm downstairs and people are like, oh, you're looking better. I'm like, well, that sucks because that means I look like crap before and you didn't say anything, you big <laughs> jerk. Uh, just kidding. But uh, I've said to my wife, I'm like, you better not start getting friskier with me. Like, that'll, that'll really crush my self-esteem. It won't hurt, you know? Like, you start going, ooh, like, I'm going to get all wet worked up about, like, how fat I've been for 15 years. Um, but well, anyway. you know, to that end, mm-hmm. Bill Burr has a very cogent point about that, which mm-hmm. is... Yeah, nobody wants to find out that everyone did think they looked like crap. But mm-hmm. when you think about your soulmate, do you think about them being 60 pounds overweight? No, yeah. nobody does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, like we, if you let yourself get overweight, and I'm speaking as somebody who is morbidly obese, mm-hmm. you have to take a small amount of responsibility when you start to get positive feedback, you know, like if, if the opposites or whatever, if, Mm -hmm. if the person that you're interested in suddenly starts giving you the attention that you want, just take the compliment. Yeah. Take it, take it, enjoy it. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So like, where are you at with this whole process? So I'm downstairs and everybody's going, Ooh, you know, like, uh, you're losing weight. And so they're, uh, or like I was eating a scoop of peanut butter and they're like, Oh, you can't do that to lose weight. And again, everybody with their opinions and ideas, and I'm like, no, no, you definitely can. In fact, this is probably ideal because it's a, you know, it's a calorie dense thing and it's proteins and fats. And then you mix this with fruits. And that's exactly what I recommend to people to do for snacks, you know, vegetables and hummus, cheese and fruit, like those kinds of things. Very easy. And, um, you know, oh, no, that I heard that's unhealthy. <laughs> and it's like you like I'm trying to lose weight, too. I, I can't I can't stop myself. So it's like all of this mental stuff is really what stands in the way. You know, of course, there's the you know, the, I don't understand how to eat stuff, but that can be fixed pretty easily. It's really getting over this mental hump. So I hope that the article this week helps. I hope us talking about this stuff kind of helps people 
start to understand the the real baggage. They're like, what are they really carrying around with them? Because it's easy to look at that superficial stuff, the stuff at the top, the actual thoughts themselves, and not really dig deeper, do the introspection to say, what is really going on here? And, you know, again, Am I am I uh, eating unhealthy stuff? Yes, of course I am. But there is a much deeper level reasoning um, uh, problem that I have to address, which is my compulsions. My compulsions to do this based on my all of my justification, my frustration, my urge to splurge. All of that stuff has to get addressed first and foremost. And if it doesn't, then we're screwed. So that's my take on life right now. Excellent take, Neil. <laughs> so you had a question about Joe Skin. Yes. So I have developed eczema in my old age. It's really, I think it's been less than two years that I've had it. And for the longest time, I just had one patch that was actually misdiagnosed, which is why I had it for so long. Mm -hmm. But I recently noticed, um, I don't know how long they've been there. I I don't know if I didn't notice because it's like mostly around my back and stuff. But I am currently broken out in 17 patches of eczema. Yes. And with the exception of one, they're all the size of a nickel or smaller. But some cursory research showed that stress is one of the triggers. And Mm -hmm. I have been very open on the podcast about how stressed out I've been recently. So I think that these are all breakouts in regard to that, which means that I am not managing my stress that well, probably. So, probably, Dr. Neil, <laughs> what do I do? So yes. when anybody comes to me and says, I have eczema, psoriasis, dermatitis, whatever, I don't believe them. <laughs> <laughs> My approach is always to go, okay, they have something wrong with their skin. Because first and foremost, a lot of us that have these rashes don't go to the dermatologist. It's like eight months to get to a dermatologist around here anyway, right? So we don't have official diagnosis most of the time. So mm-hmm. most of the time people are coming to me and they have this new rash. And it could be a lot of different things. And I'm definitely not smart enough to know. And in fact, you can't really just look at a lot of rashes and and pinpoint exactly what they are because there's a lot of different causes for these reactions. Uh, Um, If I could just interject real quick, Mm -hmm. I did have a biopsy, which is why I know for sure that it's eczema. Yeah. So we know in this situation that we know it's eczema and it's not psoriasis. Um, There is a difference between them. Of course, psoriasis is more of an autoimmune disorder, technically has less intense itching. Mm -hmm. Um, There are different areas of the body. These things can concentrate on, Um, you know, again, like that's go to the American Dermatology Association and, and just like look at the, basically all of their advice around that level of thinking is, is where you'd want to be. Um, eczema does have a genetic component to it. Uh, it can be something where you don't have the gene to, uh, I guess, basically express the outer layer of your skin, the same as everybody else. Hmm. And so, uh, you're more likely to have turnover and inflammation and flare ups and such. That's one component, but then it's mostly environmental or lifestyle stuff can influence it. So that's a a real issue. Dermatitis is just kind of a general description of an inflammation of the skin. Which I do get pretty often, mostly from cheap jewelry. Right. Yeah. I mean, my wife actually can't even wear a wedding ring because of it. That stinks. And she got like one of those, like I have a platinum band. I think she has it too. Thinking that it would be more hypoallergenic since we're going to be wearing it forever and ever. So. Well, I think I actually, I actually used to be a bench jeweler. Um, Mm. She... I am surprised that she's allergic to platinum, um, but maybe try 18 karat yellow gold. Yeah, that's what the the thing is. It's like 
maybe she just wants a new ring. Like she wanted a new <laughs> engagement. I can't fault her for that. <laughs> yeah, she wanted a new engagement ring. I'm like, I spent like all the money that I had at this. I think the thing was like eight grand or something oh stupid. My God. Like, yeah, I, I know. I was like poor Holy. and 23. And that's when, no, I took a freaking loan out for three years. <laughs> it was insane. <laughs> I have no idea why I did it, but it was like, you know, one of those dumb things that you do. And like, uh, yeah, I think that, uh, uh it showed now she actually just wears a band, which is great. So, like, but again, it gets me all worked up because I'm like, we, I was poor and we were young and like I was in love and that's what we did. So you're not going to replace it. Stop it. <laughs> Bullshit. It is anyway, so sweet. It is sweet. Anyway. Um, so basically people come, they have patches, they have redness, the skin is itchy. Uh, it's raised and they say, I've got fill in the blank, you know? And so Really what it comes down to is like, how do we, how do I help that person? How do I help somebody that has this skin reaction? And I'm not a dermatologist, so I can't help that much, but I can talk about, you know, the holistic treatment plan. And one of the things I want to stress is that being holistically minded isn't just saying that all of our problems are caused only by our life choices, right? So a lot of people say I've got eczema and so it's stress or diet or whatever, right? That's not entirely true. We just said genetic components, autoimmune. There's things that are out of our hands or out of our control. Mm -hmm. Being holistically minded isn't also us just saying that supplements and healthy choices are the only choices. Like it's not just, uh, I don't know, acupuncture. I was going to think of like some sort of alternative treatment modality. It's not just acupuncture that's going to save the day. We have to use a lot of different things together. Sometimes you're going to need medicine, especially when it comes to some of these flare-ups. You have to kind of like put the wall up and just stop the reaction. It's it's very much like an infection where, I mean, technically your body could get over something, but we need to tip the war in their favor, uh, of the immune system in this situation's favor, using an agent. You have to do that. Otherwise, you can keep getting sick and it could be very harmful. So sometimes you're going to need medicines, right? Um, so for me, it's like, being holistic means eliminating as many variables as we can via some healthy choices. So that way we can be confident that when these things bubble up, it's truly out of our control. So the age old example, uh, I have allergies, right? Uh, but my cat sleeps on my face literally every night, right? <laughs> so we have to eliminate the variable because giving you boxes of Claritin or our allergy support with nettles and quercetin and stuff like that. It's not going to change anything if your cat is literally shedding directly into your mouth. So um, we have to address all of these things. So it, my eczema is caused by X, Y, and Z. Well, we have to do the things to prevent the eczema. Right now, we probably have to treat the eczema just to get rid of it. Um, all of it can be used together. So um, when it comes to us managing any one of those three things, dermatitis, eczema, psoriasis, it's pretty much the same. Like it's pretty much um, all the same based on my care protocols. So it's really about the inflam so it's really about the inflammation versus the anti-inflammation picture in your body. We mm -hmm. talked about inflammation last week and we talked about how general inflammation is a problem, right? Uh, it was a general, general probiotic, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, oh yeah. The, for the listeners, every time Neil says general anything, I salute him because <laughs> I love how I met your mother. <laughs> it's very silly. Um, so we want to avoid the inflammatory foods. And now these are the things that are like the trans fats, deli meats, MSG. These are the things that increase inflammation in our body and they're directly tied to that. Um, dehydrating things can be a problem. If you have too much caffeine, too much alcohol, not enough fluids, that can make your skin very unhealthy. Remember, 
your skin actually, it looks like it's this like thin little thing, but under a microscope, many of you have seen the picture in the biology books where it looks like a seven layer cake. Right, right. right. Well, the problem is, is at the bottom is where the blood vessels are. And then at the top is where the rest of the skin is. And it just kind of like goes out. So the farther away from the center, the more dry it gets, right? Ashy versus classy, right? As <laughs> said. So we can't tell how dry our skin is because we have less melanin than some people, but our skin most of the time is pretty pretty ashy and it's dry. And so moisturization is a process that is twofold. It happens inside and outside. So being dehydrated will contribute to these problems. In fact, uh, dry skin over time will lead to some sort of rashes and such. So, um, so we want to make sure that we're hydrated and we're avoiding any of the inflammatory stuff. So margarine, fake butter spreads, vegetable oils, uh, I always like to talk about vegetable oils a little bit more because a lot of people are like, well, safflower oil is healthy and sunflower oil is healthy. And that's true if you're pressing it yourself. Mm. Most people aren't doing that. Though. They're going to the store and they're buying the stuff. And the stuff that you're buying is like refined, deodorized, and bleached, RBD, right? So it's mostly a trans fat. It's like it's like eating McDonald's french fries without all the salty goodness, right? So mm. Hardly worth it. Hardly worth it. Any of the flowers, sugar, processed, packaged stuff, you want to get rid of all of that. So Those are all my favorite ingredients. Exactly. And it's really funny. Uh, this is why the wellness pyramid is what it is. <laughs> it All of that stuff is bad for everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why it's the foundation of the pyramid. So you're not only going to be dealing with your skin, but you're going to be dealing with all the other stuff. We just talked about weight. So getting rid of all that junk food that just gets you hyped up on more junk food like helps out. Um, and then the anti-inflammatory food. So greens, blues, reds. And it's funny that... We always say that green, what's a red, you know, mm. red <laughs> like pepper? I know what greens, greens are a type of vegetable, aren't they? And <laughs> like, what's a red? Yeah. So, uh, but in greens, blues, reds, those are the very high anti-inflammatory antioxidant rich foods. Um, healthy fats is another way. So EPA, DHA found in fish, high dose fish oil ends up being one of the supplements. That's why that's a vital five because it helps literally everything. So high fats, uh, avocado, uh, olive oil, real olive oil, real butter, not the fake butters, but in moderation, all of that stuff can help out, um, uh, with this whole process. Um, another interesting thing is like pineapples, berries, and cherries can help out. Mm, I, those are actually all of my favorites. <laughs> yeah. The, I mean, literally just, I get that frozen bag and it's got all of them in there, except for pineapple. I'll add that. But uh, that's good to hear at least. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all of those things have anti-inflammatory compounds in them uh, that support your body's uh, fight of skin infections, all <laughs> three of them. So, um, so yeah. So increasing your cherries and such is, is very important to do. And I think it's cherry season about now too. Yes. I've been crushing cherries. Actually, uh, what was it? What was last holiday? July 4th? Mm -hmm. That's what we just celebrated? Yeah, okay. Well, Who even knows? Did we all celebrate? <laughs> Some people did not, and I understand why. So, but anyway, my daughter and I had a cherry spitting contest, a cherry seed spitting <laughs> contest, and her game is weak. Ah. Yeah, she's got to get it up. But that's what, that's what I did on July 4th. So, um, But foods rich in zinc as well. So like eggs, real grains, um, oysters are the best, you know, beans, dark chocolate. Woo woo. Uh, those are rich in zinc. So adding those to your diet, cashews, that's a way to help um, with the anti-inflammatory uh, picture in your body, right? So so that's the first thing that we do. And that's literally the same across all three of the skin disorders. And of course, it's good for just general health anyway. So that should be what you were doing, minimum competency. But if you have these conditions, you have to make sure you're doing it really well. A uh, quick note about sure. dark chocolate, because I have noticed that a lot of people don't take into account sugar content. You want to look for, I'd say, about 80% dark 
uh, that has about five grams of sugar. You go up to 70 and you're starting to look at 10, 15 grams of sugar. So just something to keep in mind. Unless you want lots of sugar because you have, you know, the addiction thing like I got going on. So, well, I found because lint has 85% dark and they had 80% dark for a minute and that disappeared. And 85% dark is just too bitter by my sweet tooth. But 80 actually is quite pleasing. It's still, you know, along the lines of dessert chocolate. Yeah, I think so too. I think uh, you can get a little crazy with that 85, 90% stuff and putting in all the peppers and crap into it. Don't ruin your chocolate mm -hmm. like that. A little food tip now that we're talking about chocolate um, is don't snack on little bites and bits like graze, just just have commit to a snack. So one of the things I've also found myself doing is like, I, I've got a little, I need a little hit. So I'll grab like one or two chocolate chips and just kind of cheek them like it's a nicotine gum or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I'll find myself going back a few times throughout the day. And if you add it all up, it ends up being not substantial because I'm still kind of keeping my eye on the ball, but it could be, it could get out right. of control pretty easily. So it's best to just snack. Right. So it would make way more sense if I was hungry instead of just grabbing a couple bites of something and grazing to just say, OK, I'm going to have a couple slices of an apple, a scoop of peanut butter and put two chocolate chips in it and just have something substantial that will satiate me over time. It may be more calories than I want right now, but at least it'll hold you. The other thing that's been really helpful, it, um, one of my problems is that I eat and then I'm still hungry uh, because mm. I've trained myself to be hungry for a little bit after I eat, right? And because I just want to shove food down my throat until I hate myself. <laughs> and so uh, as a result, when I have my normal amount of food, I'm still hungry while I'm sitting there with everybody else. And so what I've taken to is a 20-ounce bottle of water, and mm. I just pound it. I'll have a half of it or more. And it, it really, really helps. They say, oh, just drink more water. That'll help. You have to have foods that will satiate you, but you also need to increase your fluids to make sure that you know, it speeds up that satiation. It, it speeds up that, okay, I'm, I'm good. Right. And oh, so that helps out a ton. Yeah. You know, two things about that. Uh, one of my cousins is career military and she said that you have to drink like in the mess hall. I think you have to have at least eight ounces of water before every meal because that helps fill you up. And also, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but the body will mistake dehydration for hunger. Mm -hmm. So if you know that you're properly hydrated and you're still hungry, then you're definitely hungry. Mm -hmm. But the first thing you should do if you have, maybe it's only been like two hours since you've eaten, try having a cup of water and see if you're still hungry. Right. Totally good. We used to even like give people fiber pills, like take a bunch of fiber pills and then mm. drink water and you know, but don't do that. Um, <laughs> So the supplement side of things, so with holistic care, it's lifestyle stuff that we can control. And with this, it's mostly food. Um, but the other lifestyle environmental stuff is what are the triggers in your world that could potentially be contributing to this and the health of your skin. So making sure that you're doing the things for your skin to keep hydrated, right? And uh, that even involves like using uh, hypoallergenic detergents and such and changing the materials in your clothes. So we have to think about all of that and how all of those things can influence everything, right? Um, so then we move to the supplements. Once we've done all the lifestyle stuff, then we talk about the supplements. And supplements need to be smart, simple, and strategic. So smart meaning it has to be based on data, simple meaning you only have to take what you actually need. And strategic means we need a freaking plan. Everybody just goes willy nilly. Oh, I heard this will help out with eczema. So they just start taking it. Um, we don't want to do that. So this plan is vital five first. These are the five nutrients that almost everybody would benefit from, but almost nobody gets at the right dose. And um, if they do, they're, they're taking, if they do take those supplements, they're taking poor quality versions. So we need to focus on those first and foremost. And it just so happens that like a bunch of the vital five helps out with skin health too. Mm. All right. So 
omega-3, probiotics, bone support, vitamin D, protein, and micronutrients. So going in reverse order, micronutrients, we just talked about zinc and its role. So if we're not getting enough in our diet, we need to eat some. Even vitamin E, uh, we're not getting enough vitamin E in our diet. Um, we can use something like uh, wheat germ. I would prefer that over any vitamin E supplements. I believe vitamin E supplements should largely be avoided. Unless you're going to be putting vitamin E on your skin, that's right. a different story. Uh, vitamin E should be avoided uh, from a supplement standpoint. Um, you know, again, even multivitamins may be beneficial because some people are just poorly nourished. And if they need that little extra boost, then they can do that. But just be smart about your multivitamin choice. So that takes care of that. The other one, protein, that is the most important. Um, protein is number two to fluids when it comes to skin, hair, and nail health. Okay. Um, our skin is made of protein. So if we don't get enough protein, there's a good chance that we're not supplying our body with enough of the components to make more skin. So we need more protein. So collagen could help, but really it's going to be any type of protein will be beneficial. Mm. You figure out how much protein you need by taking your weight and you divide it by 2.2. That should be approximately what you should, you should be getting every day. And if you're not getting it, eat more food if you need to, then you can supplement, right? Vitamin D has a role in skin health, or at least in these inflammatory type skin conditions, we think. There's enough small studies that kind of point to it. And it doesn't matter, to be honest with you. Uh, the same thing I said with COVID. It doesn't matter what the study says, because we know for skeletal health, we need to be between 50 and 75. So if we are not there, we're unhealthy. Whether it's going to help with COVID or prevent respiratory diseases, or it's going to help with autoimmune it, it's not relevant. What really needs to happen is we need to just be in that optimal level. So taking extra vitamin D isn't going to make our skin healthier. It's just going to make sure that we're where we need to be for bare minimum. Right. right? Okay. Uh, probiotics. So probiotics uh, have roles on the skin, hair and nails. There are probiotics that are good for the skin, um, but just taking a general gut related probiotic can be enough for some people. Um, you know, we've heard stuff where taking an oral probiotic will displace the bad stuff, even in the mouth, even though most of it's mm. active in, in the gut, just because of the general impact. Uh, you know, we've had people on talking about all of this stuff. Hey, general. So, <laughs> so a probiotic is very important. And then the big one is the omega-3s. Omega-3s are anti-inflammatory compounds. You need to be taking high dose omega-3 every day just because it's so beneficial. But with skin care, it's even more important. Uh, sometimes people recommend even omega-6s because we're eating enough omega-6s. It's just we're not eating healthy types of omega-6s. So we want GLI. Uh, so that's like borage oil and stuff like that. All right. Mm. So that's, that is something that we would do, but we would do that after we did all the other vital five stuff. So we would do all the vital five stuff as we just talked about and all the nutritional stuff. And then once we've done that and and skin turnover is long. It's like a 30, 60, 90 day process. We have to give it some time and let it incubate. Then we can move to these other supplements that could potentially help out with uh, eczema and, and dermatitis and such. So <laughs> there's there's so many weird things out there. Uh, like you have to cleanse your liver. <laughs> I don't ever like that stuff because that's not necessarily true. We can do a whole thing on cleanses. In fact, we, we probably should and talk about how it's eh, kind of really not real. Um, so ignore all of that stuff and just focus on the things that we know definitively will help out. And that's where the vital five kind of comes in. So the only other supplement that I would say that we could almost definitely use to be healthy for hair, skin, and nails, um, silica. Okay. Silica is found in like bamboo. It's actually in, in the dirt. It's everywhere. And, uh, there are forms of silica 
along with biotin and mm-hmm. combinations that can help out with hair, skin, and nail health. So, uh, if you've done all the healthy stuff and you're now moving to the borage oil, so I would add borage oil and I would add that other stuff just to see. Now, if you take those things and it doesn't really change your picture, you, you stop, you, you know, don't keep on these things forever. If it's not making your outcome, uh, changed, it's not making your skin healthier. Uh, and that's a part of the problem is we don't have a strategy for our supplements. So we need to make sure that if we add a supplement to our regimen, there's a good justification and that reality becomes our reality. So the dream of borage oil helping our skin, is that true? If not, ditch it. Don't keep it around. Hmm. Got it? All right. Yes. So then let's talk about topical. I've got a rash. What do I do? Right. All right. So over the counter, there's not a lot of options. (laughs) You're kind of SOL. So (laughs) part of the problem is that some of these uh, rashes are itched to death, eczema, especially because it's so intense, people scratch until they bleed. So then it becomes broken skin. It's a wound and you need to put like Neosporin and stuff on it and cover it. Right. That really requires a doctor to help out over the counter. We have steroids, right? Hydrocortisone is a very weak steroid in a low dose. And that can help people with their reactions to it. And it's kind of funny because we have a natural product, quote unquote, downstairs that says, oh, it's like this eczema relief, but it's got hydrocortisone in it. Mm -hmm. So it's hydrocortisone with like a little bit of oatmeal and that's it. Can I tell you that hydrocortisone has never stopped any itching on my skin ever? (laughs) Ever, like never, ever. Oh, it mocks me. I know. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's low potency. If Mm. you compare the steroids, it's just going to be a low potency. So. Not a surprise. So that's what you have on that end. And then even strong antihistamines can help out blunting this reaction. Um, Otherwise, on the more quote-unquote natural side, we have things like camphor and menthol, which has been around forever. Uh, Those two together in the right ratio uh, aren't very harsh, but can stop uh, certain types of itching. So you could always give that a shot. It's known as Sarna is the the, the product that's mm. out there. And then colloidal oatmeal. So those come in topical um, lotions and such, or you can buy the, the, like the powdered stuff and put it in your tub and just make sure that, <laughs> make sure that you don't slip on it. I, I wasn't laughing at slipping. I was laughing at the fact that uh, one of the, when we were in pharmacy school, we'd have to do drug charts. Mm-hmm. So we would talk, like basically we'd work through the wellness pyramid. We would start at the top with the non-pharmacological interventions. We would list them out and then list the pros and the cons. And one of the cons to colloidal oatmeal was that it clogs waste pipes. Oh. <laughs> so like you're drained. But then we just thought that was funny because we talked about poop because we were 20. And <laughs> and so like every everything that came up after that clogged your waste pipes, or if it would cause constipation, it was clogged waste pipes is our justification. So uh, <laughs> that's what I was laughing at. So I'm sorry. It was an inside joke from 20 years ago. So um, anyway, the, I can't believe it's 20 years ago since I've been in college. Yeah. I feel like it was just yesterday. So the last thing that I'll say for topical relief of skin problems is brand new and it's exciting. It is CBD. So ah. yes, hemp uh, lotions are really cool. And CBD itself can be a, a nice little addition to your regimen. It's something that we didn't have access to before. Hemp-based creams, lotions uh, have the natural anti-inflammatory compounds in it and can make people feel better. So uh, not only will you get moisturized, but then you'll also get the benefit of that. And the CBD, you can literally take the stuff you put in your mouth and you can just rub it on the skin because it's going to be oil-based. So as long as it doesn't have weird flavors and other stuff in it, it'll be soothing. So you can just take like a drop and then massage it into the area, or you can buy the special creams and lotions. There is nothing that stuff can't cure. I saw an article about how they're researching it for a COVID cure. 
Oh, I'm really? like, yeah, bring it. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> of I course, think... everyone's like, oh, I should be immune. I'm like, ha ha, idiot. No, that's come on. Let's be serious here. I have a lot of people that write me after my blogs or after my podcasts, and they just kind of like you say, yeah, good job, or you're dumb. And like, <laughs> or here's another idea. And so somebody sent me an article that said that uh, smoking is actually good for COVID. And we'll end on this. <laughs> oh, <I> think that... <laughs> okay. Are you satisfied from a skin perspective? Yes, thank All you. Right, yeah. All right, I got to bring this up. That seems so counterintuitive. I mean, literally, it seems like it would make you so much more vulnerable. So I would love to hear how smoking helps prevent COVID. The article is, does nicotine protect us against coronavirus? And so, (laughs) oh my God. And basically was on this tweet that said smokers seem less likely than non-smokers to fail fall ill from coronavirus so nicotine may play an indirect role that makes it harder for the virus to gain (laughs) access to the cells so basically they were saying a history of smoking increased the risk of poor outcomes in covid patients but a recent paper said that it was just the opposite how do we make sense of it all and (laughs) a recent paper by andrew wakefield (laughs) they're basically saying that you have to inhale and hold it like it's weed and then slowly let it out because the smoke is actually smoking out the COVID <laughs> and the nicotine in it is helping out. Um, I totally buy that. Yeah, because the smoke enters the lungs at over 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. I guess I don't mm. think that's true. And then one or two puff on any cigarette can kill the most virulent pulmonary virus is what was suggested to me. So pretty nuts. Uh, I wouldn't uh, suggest specious. it, but, but that's... I mean, I, I got elk antlers. Did I tell you about that? Yeah. 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 Elk antlers, freaking elk antlers as a potential cure. Like the number of things I've had to deflect for helping COVID is not so human horn. CBD is fine. Sure. Take CBD. It's not going to help you with COVID, but take it for your eczema. So (laughs) that's all I got. You got anything else? Um, no, I'm tapped. All right. Great. Me too. I'm tapped. That's it for this week. Until next time, keep listening, keep learning and be well.